I want you to focus on one of the Psalms tonight, Psalm 34, verse 18 and 19. And I want to talk to you tonight about brokenness. You might wonder why I would shift gears, uh, especially after last night's worship time, but uh, I really do want to see revival break out. And I'm reasonably sure that for that to take place, there has to be some brokenness. Um, God has promised that for those who are the brokenhearted, those who go through some stuff, those are, those are the ones God tends to bless the most. I've even discovered something, and you can agree with this or disagree, it's okay, it doesn't matter. Those who have been broken in some way are the most usable in God's kingdom. Those who have had a broken heart. See, brokenness produces tenderness. And tenderness promotes acceptance, deliverance, help. The psalmist said in 3418, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Anyone here ever been afflicted? You say it depends on the word, how you define it, right? I'm talking about has there ever been a time in your life when you didn't think things were fair? When the harder you tried, to, the harder it became to accomplish something. And then I have a question for you. Have you ever gotten to a point in your life where you were brought to just crying out to God and said, God, if you, if you don't do something here, this cannot be fixed. Ever been there? That's brokenness. There's a, a lot of pride today in what we call Christianity. But the pride are not the people that God is running after. It's those who have been broken. Whose hearts have been crushed. So tonight, I'm going to first give you what produces brokenness. There are others. These just stand out to me. First of all, it is when your body demands your attention because you have either misused it, abused it, or Satan has sickened it. It has consumed you to the point that other, more important things are neglected. All you can think about is what's wrong with this.
If you know I'm right, say it again. Secondly, your thought processes have given you unrealistic expectations. And instead of desiring what's good, your focus has been on satisfying the self. When that happens, brokenness is going to follow. Thirdly, your spirit has been neglected to the point of being regarded as something that you can get to sooner or later. That's a lie. You cannot procrastinate when it comes to dealing with the things of the spirit. If you're lower than a snake's belly in a wagon track all the time and you decide not to do anything different, you're going you're to make that track a little bit deeper. You're never going to see the top side of it. What you have to do at some point is say, I can't do this. I'm at a point where I can't get out of this. Fourthly tonight, you might say, things have happened that were out of my control, preacher. Shattered relationships, financial ruin, sickness that I never expected. How many of you went through your life expecting sickness? The answer is not very many of you. Once it happens, you knew it was going to be there, right? It's already there. And many of us are broken by these things. Now, I said it wasn't a complete list. But I want you to focus on those for just a moment because if you have one or more of these things that has not been dealt with, I can guarantee you that you're not going to be really sufficient for what God's wanting you to do until you go through your brokenness and you're healed. Now that gives you a little idea of what I'm going to talk about tonight. But let me tell you why. In the past couple of months, I have talked to some folks whose condition could only be called broken, totally destroyed. They had different reasons for believing that. But they all shattered, all, all, they all uh, shared shattered dreams destroyed visions, and everything seemed to have just not worked out for them. If I were talking about a few people in each church, this wouldn't be my subject tonight. But let's get real honest tonight, okay? I'm not talking about just a few folks. I'm talking about the majority of people today that occupy our churches Sunday to Sunday. Brokenness. Sometimes on the heel side, but many times not doing anything but feeling broken. Brokenness is not a bad thing if you realize that God uses it to make you exactly what he wants you to be sometimes. Brother Jake said amen just now, and I don't know exactly why he said it at that particular moment, but I can tell you that a lot of pastors are broken. They operate that way. They've learned how. 
many of them have been hurt by situations that they didn't even see coming. Sometimes they've had someone turn on them that they've invested so much in. So a lot of pastors are broken, but they know how to smile. Hello? They can walk into church and shake everybody's hand and everything's fine. You ask them how they are, they'll tell you, oh, it's just great, everything's fine. And now they're not just broken, they're liars. Hello? But you know what? They're not the only ones. Revival would never be necessary, Jake, if we get people to face up and just say, okay, I'm a broken vessel and only God can put me back together again. The joy would return. God would be pleased. If he could just look down on this crowd here tonight and all of a sudden see real, genuine brokenness. Do I expect that to happen? Nope. Can I tell you why? Because Baptists are proud. My old friend Bill Stafford used to say, Baptists can strut sitting down. That's proud, neighbor. Amen? But that's who we are. Now, I've tried to lay a little, lay a little bit of groundwork here just so that you'll understand the direction I'm trying to go. But I want to clear something up before I actually preach. For those of you who thought I was preaching, no. No, this is not taking off my time. It's not always the case. But usually, we associate brokenness with things that have been shattered into pieces. When people feel broken, they feel like they've just been blown apart. It's getting quiet in here. Hello? They feel like they're not able any longer to actually do anything for God. And they certainly can't put the pieces back together again. I watched a youngster today in the Ignite room back there, or one of those rooms, taking a puzzle apart and putting the pieces back together again. But he cheated. I'm telling you, he cheated. It's your son. See, what he did was he wanted to show you could put the puzzle together, but he figured out which four pieces that he could take out every time and get them back. I watched him do four times, and he never one time changed the pieces. Is this getting through to you yet? Because many of you have many times in your life said, I'm going to fix things, and I'll fix this, and this, and this, and this, and voila, I've got it all together again. But that's because you didn't take all the pieces and start from scratch. You were just taking care of the things that you dealt with before, that you could remember how to get through it. Are you still listening to me tonight? I promise you, if you'll stay with me for a while, this may help you. 
sometimes we don't realize that there are millions of people whose completed picture has become a broken puzzle. And for that reason, I identify brokenness with that incomplete puzzle, one that does not appear to have a solution. Twice, at least twice, I thought about diverting this young man's attention and taking one of those pieces to see if it would cause confusion. But then I realized that his mama was going to be here singing tonight and she'd be mad and all blowed up again, you know. I'm kidding. She never blown up. Not big enough to blow up. Amen. So this incomplete puzzle is before us. And I'm sure we'd have revival if that puzzle could be placed back the way God intended it to be. And so I've got some good news for you tonight. There's never been a puzzle that God could not put back together. The 15th chapter of Luke contains three parables. One of them deals with 100 sheep. One deals with 10 pieces of silver. And the last one deals with two sons, one safe and one lost. Now, each of them pertains to the importance of wholeness. This is our Lord here teaching us that when something's missing, it demands our attention until it's completed. And for that purpose, and for this purpose of this message, we're going to deal with the missing piece. I wonder if you've ever considered that you might have a missing piece sitting right there tonight that keeps the puzzle from being God's picture perfect. I wonder if you've ever considered it. Friend, I, I have for myself. And some of these young folks down here may not see it just yet. Maybe they haven't faced things in life, but let me tell you something. If you live long enough, you'll all face it. Sooner or later, something happens that just destroys what God wants to use. And yet, I can tell you that it's a good thing for that puzzle to be in that position where it can all be put back together properly. Now, Luke 15 verse 8 says this. I'm not going anywhere. I'm getting another bottle of water. I left it down there and he won't let me have the rest of it. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece and does not light a candle and, and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. That root word for there is harmatelos, and it means that one person who was missing the mark, who did not show that picture of perfectness. So I want to talk to you tonight about three or four things, and if you listen quick, we'll get done quick. The first is this. 
our primary pieces to wholeness. First, we have this, the body. They're all different. All kind of shapes, sizes. But nonetheless, we're all encapsulated in what God has created and brought us from. From the dust of the earth, that's who we are. There's no difference in us. Doesn't matter your skin tone. It doesn't matter your height or lack of. We're all the same in the eyes of God. And our bodies are the very least important of the primary pieces. But when parts are missing or they cease to function properly, they affect the whole person. Anybody here suffer from headaches? No one? Then I'm messing up. Surely there's somebody here besides this one sweet lady who was honest that suffers from headaches. Anybody here ever have a migraine? That's a headache. Love you in Jesus, but no wonder you're happy. You don't know you've been sick. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Were you as personable when you had that migraine? Were you as interested in spiritual things when you had that migraine except to pray for it to go away? The answer is no. You know what your mind was on? The pain. That's our problem, Brother Jake. We, we get that little piece out of the, out of the way and, and, and it, it's, it's not where it ought to be. And those little pieces that we call the things of the body, they alter the mind and they affect your dependence on the spirit. You may not realize it, but a physical disability or problem can affect your spirituality to the point that you don't even want to be spiritual because you can't think about spiritual things. All you've got your mind on is what's wrong right now with us. Are you still here? The second is the suke, that is the soul. This piece is important. It is what is consciousness. It's the animal principle, if you look up the definition, and it is that which identifies us when we least expect it. Let me tell you about the animal principle. You can be so proper as to have a church membership, have been baptized in three ponds and one baptistry. You can tithe every week and do all that. You can have perfect attendance in Sunday school for 30 years and still be surprised by the devil and something slip out of you that shouldn't come. You say, well, I've never done that. When I thought it, I didn't let it happen. Think about that. This was still working. Hello? You know, I hate to keep using this very same example all the time, but you folks probably need to live closer to a super center. Because if you'd ever gone to Walmart very often, you'd know I'm telling you the truth. You'd have done amen. Amen? 
Did I tell you about the lady that ran over me twice with the same shopping cart and one trip to the Walmart? And then was very displeased with me because I couldn't get out of the way fast enough? All you had to do is look at me until I can't move. But she ran me over. Now, I know Jesus is my Lord. But I want you to know that it did not occur to me at that very moment to pray for that lady. My first thought was, get me one of those shopping carts. I'll show her a little bit about what it means to be run over the shopping cart. Now, none of you have ever had any thoughts like that enter your mind. I can tell by looking at this crowd tonight. You are so innocent. You've got little, little halos that you had in your pocket, and they're popped out, and they're up there over your head. and They're just glowing, except for three or four of you. Huh? You just haven't been to Walmart enough. <laughs> you, have, you have never, I tell you what, never, none of you have ever driven around the parking lot trying to get closer to the front door and done it for probably five minutes only to have somebody pull up from the other aisle over there, whip up and then back into your spot. And the first thing that comes to your mind when that happens is, bless her, Jesus. No. The first thing that happens when that happens is, I ain't going to say it. I'm in church. Amen? But I can tell you what you think. See, that's, that's that mental consciousness stuff. And when it's out of whack, even though it's kept hidden away, that thought process makes everything in the child of God out of focus. The picture is not clear. So let's take that last little really important part called the spirit. That is the, the pneuma. It is the rational person. And it's that part that relates to God. It's, it's mental. It's who we truly are. And all of these primary pieces make up this myriad of, of integral things, uh, you might say, that, that make us complete. Brokenness occurs when parts are misplaced mismatched, or are missing altogether. Brokenness is there, but it has to be recognized. You can't keep holding it up and saying it's complete when God knows the pieces are out of place, when God knows they're not complete. So that's the primary pieces to holiness. Now let me give you the puzzle itself. You see, our lives are made up of these primary pieces. Our dreams, our relationships, our problems. Anybody got any problems? All these things are tied to one of these pieces in its wrong place. And when one of those pieces are lost or it's in disarray, the puzzle doesn't look the same. Its message is marred. It doesn't look complete. Years ago, Sherry and I were going to the hospital in St. Louis a lot, and I was going into a, a place where uh, I was, was having to do lab work for an oncologist, and, and I noticed where you waited out there, there was the, these tables, and they had these huge, huge 
puzzles on them. I don't know how many pieces they would have been, but lots of pieces. And I, I'd wondered, who works on those things? Because some of them were partially completed. But the boxes were gone. And so I really didn't know what it was supposed to look like. I could tell somebody was working on it, but it was hard to tell what it was supposed to be. One day somebody came in there and started working on one of those puzzles. I'm lousy at putting puzzles together. Anybody like me here? I mean, I, I can't do it. If they had a 10-piece puzzle, I'd, I'd be puzzled. Amen. But I watched them very carefully start putting things where they thought they belonged. I watched this one person. He sat there and he took a piece and he put it right next to it where there was one missing. And then he started looking for all kinds of things to put in that one place. He had a whole stack of them over there. And then he started trying to put them together. And I thought, now how's he doing that? Why? I mean, I, the, the shapes are so close uh, to each other that it's, it's almost impossible for him to, to, to just eyeball those, and, uh, at least I would think so. But then I noticed that every one of them had the same color patterns on them. Now, I still can't do it. But that's how they're doing that. Now, if you'll remember that for the next 10 minutes, that'll become important to you when it comes to invitation time. You can have all the pieces and not have the picture. Hello? I, I just, I hate it when I have to keep asking you to do that. So I've got this indeterminate number that I'm going to preach until you've got them all in and it's up to you. Let me ask you this. Do you have any lost pieces? Don't know where they're at? You see somebody else and you, you see their puzzles looking good. You say, I don't have that one. You got any lost pieces here tonight? One of them's Joy. Anybody here tonight look around the crowd and say, hey, you know what, I don't understand why they're so full of joy all the time. I just don't feel that. It's because it's missing. Hello? I'm going to quit. Let me tell you what God will do. If you call on him while you're broken, He'll drop everything and come running to fix what's wrong with you. Now, some of you are looking at me like, how dare you come in here and preach about what's wrong with us? Don't you know where you're at? Exactly. I know precisely where I'm at. I know a lot of you. And I can tell you that we're all in the same boat here. I'm not sure we even have a paddle. All of us have suffered from brokenness. Now here's the problem. When we're in control, we don't sometimes even know that something is missing. Let's get honest. Can we get honest? I know this is different, but that's okay. Can we be honest? 
Go like this. Your head will not rattle. Go ahead. It is easy to come sit on a church pew or chair and put on a facade where nobody will know how hurt you really are. Some of you have been wounded in the past terribly. And the picture is broken. I wonder how many of you realize that it's supposed to be different. I thank God tonight for the pieces that he's broken in my life. And I thank him more for the ones he's put back on me, back in me, whole. Picture puzzle isn't perfect just yet. But I know what the problem is. And I know he's just waiting for a time when he'll put it all together again. Now, a lot of us have worked on the jigsaw puzzle and found out later on that there's a missing piece. It's just gone. My brother's been there. He loved to find a puzzle that somebody's working on and put a piece in his pocket and walk away with it. It's probably why all those in the hospitals are not done. He, my brother's been there, you know, or somebody's brother has. Uh, we, don't, we don't have to have somebody steal the piece. All we have to do is just keep doing what we've been doing and act like there's no problem. As a matter of fact, we do our best to convince everybody that there's nothing ever about us that has been broken. I know people who have suffered terribly with abusive relationships and have never dealt with them just buried them. All over America, there are people in churches who were sexually abused as youngsters. And nobody ever knows it. But there's a hole in the picture because it hadn't been dealt with. Sometimes, life's problems only become evident when the missing piece becomes evident. You don't know the problem's there until you see it's gone. It's not where it belongs. You say, Brother John, you, you've got the wrong crowd tonight. All right, let's try a few things and see if I do. How about the lack of compassion? Anybody here missing that? When, when you see somebody sitting on a street corner with a cup in their hand, begging, I wonder if there's anybody here that goes by them and says, McDonald's is hiring, buddy. If you've ever thought that, smile at me. <laughs> I didn't say laugh out loud, I just said smile, you know. 
something missing. You say, well, McDonald's is hiring. That has nothing to do with the way you feel when you see somebody. I, I was in Benton today, and, and my, my youngest brother and I were out, and, and we were having a little bit of lunch. And a, a fellow came in there as a truck driver. And he picked up a guy on a corner. And he asked the guy what he would like to eat. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating, nor am I pointing my finger at anybody because I have no right to do that. But this fellow was, was uh, he, he was a colorful looking fellow. He was about five foot seven, eight, maybe 400 pounds. Uh, he went to sit in the booth, couldn't get in the booth, so they sat at the table. And the truck driver asked him, and the reason I know this, they're talking real loud. The truck driver asked him, he said, sir, what would you want to eat? Get anything you want on that menu. And he said, well, I want one of these all-you-can-eat things. So he said, all right, just pick it out. So he picked out the most expensive thing on the menu. I know I had one right in front of me at the same time. No, I mean the menu, not the meal. <laughs> I listened as that guy told him his story. I kind of had an idea of what I was going to be preaching on tonight. But I couldn't help myself. I found out today that I've got a little compassion missing. Because I looked over there and thought, oh, buddy, you're missing the boat. This guy's taking you to the cleaners right here and now. Then they brought the food out to them. And the truck driver said, if we're going to eat, we're going to pray. And he reached his hand out across the table and took that man by the hand and began to pray. And the man didn't keep his eye on the food. He bowed his head, closed his eyes, and began to listen to the prayer. And I could hear the prayer. Everybody in the restaurant could. And he prayed for this man who was living in his car, or van, I think it was, who was moving from place to place. And the reason that he found him in the place he found him today was because he had to go to court because he got a ticket for being parked in his van in the wrong place. I found out that that man was on SSI and he got $554 a month. He was trying to get his way back to California and I could not figure that one out. But he said, I, I can, if I can get there, my, my benefits will be higher. So would the price. But I listened to that whole thing until they started praying without any compassion for him. I thought to myself, the world is full of folks like that that just won't work. I wonder how many of them really cannot work. I wonder how many of them have an underlying condition that we may not even know anything about. I wonder if some of them might even be in a, in a position where they're facing death and, and, and it's not going to be long, but yet their, their, their family is gone. They don't have anybody. They're out there by themselves. It does happen to folks. But we have gotten to the point where we lack our compassion for things like that. I'm not telling you to be duped by folks. I'm just telling you, we're lacking in something. 
Let me, let me cover just a little bit more here. How about a, just a lack of faith? Do you think that doesn't mess, mess up the puzzle picture? When we start to depend on everything else but just faith, unless you get to where you can believe in God and God alone, friend, you're not doing what God wants you to do. He doesn't want you to come to him when you've tried everything in your power, when you've tried to fix it yourself. He wants you before him when you'll be broken and say, God, I cannot fix it. I need you, God, to do this for me. When you get broken like that, then the puzzle starts coming back together. But we don't think those pieces are gone. We don't even sometimes realize that our spirituality is in the tank. You say, what does that mean? Well, you know what? If you go through the day and you, you don't think much of things of God and you think about yourself and about your problems and all those sort of things and you, you don't have time to pray, you don't have time to read your word, you don't have time for anything but what's going on around you, friend, you've got a spirituality problem. Amen. We're supposed to be spiritual beings. <laughs> Do you think that it came without strings? God said he would if you will. If you doubt that, I can prove to you. Now, having said all that, there are even some people sitting out here tonight that have got all the pieces, but they don't know how to use what they've been given. It's usually because there's too much attention being placed on one piece. Too much focus on shape, not enough on color. Not enough on what you're supposed to look like. Amen? You can look at the pieces and the jigs and the jags all you want to, but that's not going to help you as much as knowing what you're supposed to be in the finished product. Get on your face before God and begin to beg him, Lord, show me what I'm supposed to be. And don't tell me, yeah, I know I'm supposed to be a Baptist or I'm supposed to be this or that. No, 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 that's not what I mean. I mean, get on your face before God and pour out your heart and soul and say, God, show me what you want for me. Show me what you want in me. You know, I, I, I think maybe I'm to the last point. Got more notes. But I want you to listen. And you look like you've got about seven minutes left in you. I want you to see the purpose. Don't get sold on that seven minute thing. I use that everywhere. I want you to focus everything that I've said on what I'm going to say in the next few minutes about the purpose of restoration putting it back together through brokenness. First of all, you should do that so that you can do what you used to do. Hello, you're welcome. What do you mean, what I used to do? I mean, so you can do those things that you readily did with excitement when you first came to the Lord. You remember those days? I remember them. Jamie, there was a day when I was downright dangerous. Worked in the coal mine, there wasn't anybody that wasn't scared of me. Bigger guys were, they weren't, they, I mean, they could 
break me like a twig, but when they saw me coming, they would shudder. Because I had a black Bible twice as thick as this one. And I was newly saved. And I could not wait to hem them up in a coal mine. Do you know if you keep going down a, an entry in a coal mine, what's at the other end? Nothing but a wall and a book and somebody full of zeal. Did you ever have that kind of zeal? When you wanted to tell people what's in the book? When you wanted them to know that Jesus would save even you, so surely he would save them as well? Don't you remember how excited you were when, whenever you'd see somebody that you knew were lost and you'd say, hallelujah, I get to, I get to do this. Now you'll stand and, and just make every reason in the world why you shouldn't do it. Hello? We need to have restoration so we can do the things that we used to do. We ought to be soul winners. We ought to be tithers. That was a little slower. There was a time when you were even joyful. How long does it take a Baptist to backslide? To go from excitement to let's get it over? <laughs> this is going to get uncomfortable from here on out. So take a deep breath and if you need to leave now, just act like you're going to the bathroom. Ask again. Restore so that you can once again be full of the joy of the Lord. Do you realize what David was doing when he got before the Lord and said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation? He was broken, torn apart, realizing every piece was out of place. And then he began to pray to God in that fashion. Let me tell you what revival is. Revival is when you look at yourself and say, there are some things missing and I want them in my life. And then you come to where you have to make a decision. And the decision is, do you try to bring those things about? Or do you just blow it off and say, I'm just going to do what I want to do? So you have that choice. God didn't make you a robot. You can choose to accept or you can choose to reject. It's up to you. But God wants to picture puzzle back the way it ought to be. I, I think it would be a whole lot better if, if we would start to be concerned for self again and more concerned for others. You know, gratefulness is something that's missing in a lot of us as well. How many of you really needed saved when Jesus saved you? I mean, you were a rotten sinner. That's what I'm talking about right now. Wasn't no doubt. Not one of those people that probably would have went to heaven anyway, right? Just a rotten old sinner. Gratefulness is missing. I'm convinced tonight that there would never be another attendance problem in our churches if folks were just grateful for what God did when he saved their souls.
Wow. Think about it. I was a sinner. I know of what I'm speaking. Maybe the chief of sinners. Bad to drink. Terrible language. No expression of love for anyone, not even myself or my family. All about me. That's as dirty rotten as you can get. That's who I was. And by the way, I didn't go searching for Jesus. Some of you know this, but some of you don't. When I was 33 years old, I was totally and permanently paralyzed from the neck down. I was in a hospital room in St. Louis, Missouri, Barnes Hospital, 11th floor. Can't remember the room number, but I can remember some things that happened in that room. I was laying on my bed, a, a, a pronounced atheist, center to the core, laying on that bed, on my back, being told that I probably wouldn't even live. When Jesus came looking for me, listen to me, he accosted me. He jumped on me. I, I didn't say, Jesus, come find me. I mean, literally, he jumped in the bed with me and told me in a spiritual way that I would never recover unless I was ready to be fully broken before him and accept him. And I want you to know something. I'm grateful to this day that he didn't let this sinner go to hell and spend eternity there, but instead embraced me with his arms of love and has carried me this far and even let me preach his word. Friend, I'm grateful for what God has done for me. Are you grateful for what he's done for you? The only way that you can ever fix what's broken is to admit that brokenness is there. Now, this can get personal. Some of us here tonight need to get back to doing what we used to do in regards to our family. Some of us need to be a better parent, a better child. Some of us even need to be better friends than what we've been in the past. All of it needs to be put back. All so that you can do what only you can do. There are some people in this world right now that only you are going to be able to get to. I am convinced that on Judgment Day there will be a lot of us have to give an account for those we did not speak to. We're told plainly in the Bible that's what we don't do sometimes that is important. We call them the sins of omission. But we don't realize we're broken. We don't do it. Because many times we don't care enough to even find out what their spiritual condition is. Yet we're the only ones probably that's going to be able to do that. And there's some other things that only you can do. And you need to be whole to do it. 
You can have another chance tonight to be able to do that. Let me tell you, if you've never accepted Jesus, you are not complete. I don't care what you think about yourself right now, you're not complete. You're only completed when you get before God and admit to God, God, there's pieces missing. Fix it, please. You're broken before him. You know what? We don't see much tears in altars anymore. I've been in churches for the last 40 years off and on when literally you, you, you'd have to step and hop to get over the Kleenex boxes. When folks would get on an altar and pray and cry and call out to God about the condition that they were in or the condition that some of their friends were in, we're missing that. And because of that, listen to me carefully now, please. Because of that, we're living in a society where people are so messed up here. They don't realize yet that their problem is not their society. It's not restrictions that are placed upon them. Their problem, their, that feeling that they've got inside, that rebellious nature that's in there, that's coming from knowing God wants them to do different, but refusing to be broken before him. I said it once tonight, I'll say it again. There would be no need for revival, Jake, if we all got on our faces before God and became broken. Again, do I expect that to happen here tonight? Perhaps in some. But there'll be some of you be like my old friend said, you'll strut right out the door saying that one wasn't for me. I don't have anything wrong with me. I'm already perfect. Perfect picture. All the pieces are there and they're all in the right place. But what you mean is they're still in the box. And the box hadn't been opened yet. See, that's a complete puzzle. That's what it says right there on the box. If you ever look, it says complete 500-piece puzzle. But it's not complete until you start putting all the pieces in the right places. And the only way you can do that is say, this is broken. I'm going to start working right now on fixing it. Have you listened to me tonight? Did I tell you the truth? Those of you who just woke up, ask your friend right there beside you, and they'll tell you. It was the truth. Some of you youngsters don't realize this yet. Sometimes your whole life can be hanging in the balance of letting God break you down and accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's what it takes. And some of you have been in the church for all your lives. Getting ready to go see Jesus one of these days. You're probably going to meet St. Peter at the gate. And he's going to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Where's the other pieces? Huh? Why, 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 why have you shown up like this? You know what? The Bible tells us there's no sin going to, going to be in God's presence. Period. And pride. That's 
Holy Spirit, that's something that's definitely sinful. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And if you would, I'd like for you to just concentrate for just a moment on whether or not you are complete, totally complete, the picture God wanted you to be. Pride that's there, now forget it. Don't even try. Unless you're ready to get rid of that, you never reach brokenness. If you're in this place tonight and you're not sure that you would go to heaven if you died this very moment, I'm going to ask you to listen intently for just a moment because this may be the last or only chance that you get to hear this. God never created you by accident. You're not somebody's mistake. God wants you in his arms of love and care and compassion. He wants a relationship with you that can only come about if you'll be broken before him and accept him as master of your life. So if you're sitting there just now and, and I've just described somebody tonight that looks like you, you're not sure you'd make it. You might hope so, but you're just not sure. Would you be honest enough with heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around to just slip your hand up and let me pray for you tonight that before it's too late in your life, God would save you? Is there anyone here tonight to be honest that way? I promise you, I won't come to you nor embarrass you. You have my word. Won't happen. Just pray for you is all I'll do. Anyone here? Would just say, Brother John, include me in the prayer. All right. What I'm seeing right now is what I've seen every night. I haven't seen a hand go up. But let me help you with something. The sermon was for you guys. Are you ready tonight for revival? Because revival will grow out of brokenness. Come bring the pieces to him tonight. Lay them on his altar and say, Lord God, please put them all back in their place right where they belong. Father God, you have heard everything that I've said. I believe you superintended it, Lord. I didn't preach like I wanted to. I preach what you were telling me to do. So I ask you, Father, just now that you would use this to stir revival in the hearts of the people in this room tonight. And Lord, that you would use it to spread the gospel all over this area and beyond. Lord, let it reach where I live. Make it happen, Lord. Brokenness is what we need. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.